This is Refigure with Chris and Rifo. A weekly dive into our favourite bits of culture, tech and diversity. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm Reefa. And I'm Christopher, and this is Refigure. The podcast for the arts, culture, tech and diversity. Each week we talk about, for about 20 minutes, what we've been watching, listening and reading and seeing and doing. Etc. Etc. Nice. We're total experts, aren't we? And everything's fact-checked really thoroughly. (laughs) For this episode, we binge the whole first season of Dead to Me, Netflix dark comedy drama starring Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini about a woman who has just lost her husband and the chaotic free spirit type who befriends her at grief counselling. We also finally visited the new archaeology, archaeology, archaeology gallery. <laughs> At Brighton Museum, the Linda Evans. Elaine Evans. (laughs) (laughs) The Elaine Evans Gallery, which opened earlier this year with a major new exhibition about the earliest residents of Sussex, with insight into Stone Age, Iron Age, Roman and Saxon life. That was far more interesting than that sounded. We are recording this in our hotel room in Barcelona. Muchas gracias for listening. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. That's literally the only Spanish I've said to anyone the whole time we've been here. Bueno. Uh, we were here primarily to go to Primavera Festival, so we'll talk about that next time. We've got some other stuff to get out of the way first. <laughs> Okie dokie. What did you think about Dead to Me, Chris? I really enjoyed it. It's a really bleak... It's a kind of bleak comedy drama. It's one of those dramedy things. So it has the kind of tension of a... Almost of a thriller, like a drama thriller. But it does have a lot of really funny moments. It's built on two central, fantastic lead performances. Christina Applegate plays a kind of archetypal American mum, all-American mum, who loses her husband... And then she meets uh, the other character. I can't remember either. One of them's called Jen, but I can't remember their names. But the other character is played by Linda Cardellini. And she plays more of a kind of the chaotic, slightly manic pixie dream girl type character. Although they're both grown up women. And that odd couple type thing is there. But then there's this really menacing thriller aspect underneath it that makes it really interesting and and has a kind of real tension all the way through and there are twists and turns like quite near the beginning you realise there's a big twist but then actually there are quite a lot of other pretty big twists all the way through the episodes is it ten parts? it was ten parts wasn't it? I think so but it's got that kind of a slightly supernatural air about it it's quite a small cast as well and what I really like about it, and I'll never stop not liking this, and I'll mention it again, and I've mentioned this before, that you can really tell that it's women women writers, or at least in the team, because they're really rounded characters, and if you watch it all the way to the end, you'll, you'll understand why, that these women aren't 
stereotypical in lots of ways. So, like, the way that the, the main character deals with her grief is that she's fucking angry a lot of the time, and she's angry, but she wants to have a friendship with someone, and she sort of pushed a lot of people away because of her work. She's really angry about it all, and she wants to do something, and she wants to, she's a control freak, so she wants to kind of uh, fix things by sort of taking revenge, but she doesn't have anyone to take revenge on. So, you know, you, you would quite happily understand that if, if it was a male character, but because it's a female character, you think, well, when did I last see that? When did I last see that portrayed on telly? And that there are two women. Imagine, two women is still radical, you know, in a TV programme. Whereas, like, we watched quite a lot of Umbrella Academy and we're not going to talk about that but I kind of watched it anyway and there's some scenes in that where there are just two there are two female characters and some of the dialogue between those characters you know is pathetically written by a man because for example if somebody said oh I've checked up on the bloke that you've just started seeing a couple of days ago the other woman would generally say because of the history of every single woman in the whole planet (laughs) would say Thank you very much for doing that. Yeah. Is he a stalker? Tell me what you found out about him. They wouldn't defend a random stranger over their own sister. Whereas in this programme, because we all know well-rounded women in our lives, I hope, you can see that the other woman also wants to fix the tragedy that's happened. It's just a really interesting uh, dynamic and you can't predict it and I just I enjoyed the writing of it it was cool it had some of the atmosphere of shows like Better Call Saul obviously there's a sort of weird parallel with Grace and Frankie in that there are these two American archetypes that you start off with as women and yet as you say the portrayals are so much more rounded and proper and actually written really good characters. And their performances are amazing, aren't they? I mean, it's an incredibly well-acted show. I can't remember what I was going to compare it to, but it doesn't really matter. It's got intense depth to it, and yet there are moments that are really funny and quirky. We were pretty gripped as well, weren't we? We were watching like we had to keep watching. It was a bingey show. Yeah, and um, but it's kind of ordinary. It's like in the Hollywood Hills, it's got this, you know, aspirational aspect to it as well. The woman is um, an estate agent, so she's always going to these fancy houses. And so I just found, I found that quite interesting. You know, it's not an edgy world like Russian Doll. You know, it's not cool young people. It's older women in their late 40s. And when somebody dies... It's not because we're kind of used to it because we're older than 20-somethings. It's devastating because they've never really... They don't think of themselves as old. They don't think, oh, I'm getting ready for death. (laughs) It's just... It's bleak as anything. I really resonate with the way that this woman, like, deals with the anger. She's, like, in her car and bad things are happening. And she just wants to um, listen to... What's that sort of music? Speed metal and thrash metal. Yeah, she's, like screaming and you know obviously there's a this whole load of white privilege stuff in there as well where she sort of gets away with smashing someone's car up because she's angry about it you know that sort of thing but i can't have everything in every program i want to watch well no and the show's aware of that as well like it it nods to it it doesn't it doesn't mistake itself for normalcy it flags its own like she flags her own privilege and the character that plays the ex-guy in it, he's like 
a very good looking almost like young Rob Lowe character who just knows that he can get away with anything because of his looks and his charm and it's so interesting because he tries it he tries that on the woman and in if that had been written by a bloke that would have worked even that lovely thing um that great series we watched about the t- women in the tech industry um it's not really about that at the beginning halt and catch fire halt and catch fire you know there's a charming bloke in it and yet he isn't the main thrust of the story as the series progresses he can't just charm everybody and it's almost like men sometimes write those characters because they're like superhuman almost you know we want these heroes people we want to be like yeah so it's a very clever series and it flirted it flirted with that notion of superhuman attractive man it also floated with notions of or let the audience toy with notions of magic realism and then quite often burst that bubble so you would kind of think oh something slightly weird and mystical is about to happen a balloon floated off that contained a secret and then you thought that the secret might come back or you think that this circular weirdness of an event is going to Yeah, happen. because we're so busy watching things like Russian Doll and Stranger Things yeah. and we want something incredible to happen. But actually, this is a really down-to-earth series and also it did remind me of Awakened as well. You know that series? The fantastic Laura Dern, Laura Dern series. Yeah. Laura Dern, where she's gone off and become like what she thinks is awakened and she does meditation and she's like she's a cross between the two characters the kooky uh what did you call it dream pixie girl yeah, the, that that trope the yeah. magic pixie dream trope and then but she's actually got all this underlying anger and she's a rock yeah. chick really right? yeah anyway i found that all very interesting so we both totally recommend it don't we Yes, and that was Dead to Me, Netflix. Yeah. It's on the Netflix. It's on the flicks. During Brighton Festival, we've been trying to do a few more local art and culture things within Brighton, which I know means if you live somewhere else, you can't necessarily come. But you should. You should come to Brighton because it's a beautiful town that we live in. And we have a really quirky, brilliant museum that a lot of local people who live here in Brighton, not that I'm here right now, I'm in Barcelona, but anyway, a lot of people who live in Brighton don't go to the museum or... Loads of people I know have never set foot in that museum, and some of them even remember it when it was a music library, which is weird. Huh. But, but that they've literally, yeah, it was, it was a long time ago. But now it is a bit different. It used to have this amazing cafe up on the balcony. Well, it wasn't even that amazing, but they did cream tea, so that's amazing, which was always busy. I don't know why they got rid of it. And uh, now you have to pay to get into it, so that's probably dropped off loads of numbers. And the probably, I don't even know how that works. But as a Brighton resident, you can go in as long as you've got some bit of ID and on your driver's licence. Oh, yeah, it's free if you're local. It is free. But anyway, we decided to skip the um, Wildlife Photographer of the Year um, exhibition, which was about 10 quid to get into. But we went into this new permanent exhibition that is part of the school's curriculum. So if you've got kids, they'd be learning about ancient peoples. And it's brand new, so it was really cool, I thought. It was really nice. Loads of interactive kiosks stuff for, for children of all ages to play with. <laughs> but you had you had to touch a thing to watch a little video. And I thought it was really good about um, showing how, for example, Stone Age people in this, in this area 
how they lived in Neolithic times and then later how they uh, created pots and how they lived, basically. So for each era, I think there were four or five different actual bones that have been found over the years that they've put in cabinets. And from that, they know the DNA, the ancestry of these people and created these really amazing replicas of their faces. It was just fascinating. It really brought it to life for me and how much history there is in our area. The White Hawk thing is really interesting because there was it was definitely an important area of Brighton. If you're not from Brighton, it's just a, like beyond the marina, beyond... Well, it's around where the marina it's, is. It's East Brighton. We call it East Brighton, beyond Kemp Town anyway. And they did this replica of like three enormous concentric circles of chalk that was some sort of meeting place and they don't know why people would have met there maybe it was a market maybe it was a spiritual place but it was like the size of eight football fields so that's there must be loads of bones and stuff like relics and bits and bobs in there yeah and a sign of a complex fascinating civilization from such an early period i mean the exhibition starts right back in the stone age and covers quite, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years and ends up with Roman times and then even briefly touches on the Saxons after the Romans left. And you do get a real sense of different types of people travelling around and you do get a sense of, like, it was fascinating to discover that the very earliest people were darker-skinned and then it was only later on that lighter-skinned people were there. Climate change. And climate, you know, yeah, we only basically, we only got white people in Britain because of climate change. And then also the science and technology of reconstructing faces. So the what they do is they take an actual skeleton and you get to look at the actual bones, but then they've done a very sophisticated kind of structural reconstruction of the faces to create incredibly lifelike figures. I mean, they looked much more realistic than when you go to, like, a waxworks, like Madame Tussauds or whatever. That's because it's a brand new exhibition. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I cannot remember when I last went to an exhibition where it was totally new like that. So all the the models, they look brand new. All the little tiny, tiny little pigs they've put in the little farmyard with the little reconstructions of how people lived in their little houses that's all brand new all the grass is all new no one's touched that exhibition yet you know we're the first people first few people that have gone into it so it's kind of nice and all the kiosks are all working and it's not all dusty and funny it reminds me of when i went to the london aquarium when it first opened and the jellyfish exhibition was teeming with jellyfish <laughs> and then i went back a few years later and there was like four left <laughs> they'd all gone yeah, so you should go in there before all the children ruin it. <laughs> There's even a lovely bit where they've put, like, a sort of educational bit where you can sit around a campfire. But you loved that, didn't you, Chris? I did. I thought it was all really nicely done. it was really nice. It was very well curated. It had proper, beautiful artworks. That's the other thing that always happens when you look at one of these exhibitions of the most ancient people and especially because as you say this one's new that means that they've got some of the most recently discovered stuff but there's some bits and bobs of like jewelry and quite sophisticated tools in there and you realize that like 15,000 years ago people were pretty much eating with like normal knives or or, like braiding their hair in really interesting ways or when they showed how to make the pots yeah like, they didn't have ovens, they just sort of smashed up the stuff, made a pot, stuck it near the fire, 
And they made a pot. But immediately they're attaching cultures to that because yeah. they're making patterns in the pot and yeah. they're like giving it a certain shape aesthetically. And yeah, it's fascinating. On buses in Brighton, on the front of buses, they put famous people on all through history. And there's a pub in Brighton called the Martha Gun, and I never knew that was. And then I must have walked past that painting in the Brighton Museum a million times, but never really noticed it. And she was apparently a famous dipper where these women would help... They were almost like maids who would help women of a certain class to go into the water. So they would, like, splosh them into the water and then bring them back out again. Because the water in Brighton apparently had this healing powers. So they had to kind of get them changed in a in a hut and then trundle the women out dip them into the water and then bring them out again so that they didn't get carried away or didn't know didn't get scared or it's so weird people didn't go swimming and you know like in the sea like they do now but it was just a weird thing that that's what she was famous for also the brighton museum has now put some of their most precious artifacts in cabinets including grace and perry vase that she's now in a plinth that goes round so you can see the whole thing and like really highlighted it and sort of explained a bit more about who Grace and Perry is and what the what the vase is all about and there's a Picasso piece of pottery as well that's in the Bright Museum it's just a really fascinating little museum and it's much better than anything else you know that you like for a local museum there's a lot of interesting artifacts it is a really good museum just to have a wander around. There's a small Egyptology gallery with a bunch of Egyptian stuff. There's this really iconic history of pottery, which I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's really good. Mr. Willett's Pottery Gallery, which you realise, you know, like souvenir mugs that we eat. Say you get a souvenir mug now and it's a quirky thing where someone's printed a joke on it. Well, people have been doing that for 400 years and you could buy souvenir mugs slagging off Napoleon during the Napoleonic Wars. Even that's a really interesting gallery. So, yeah, it's a, a bit of a prop to Brighton Museum. Go and, go and check it out. Very good. I've got one. Hold on, Reef is going somewhere else while we eat a sweet. Was it? We're absolutely fucking loving Barcelona, by the way, but we'll tell you about that next week or the week after. It's a stunning city. We're having a great okay. time. I'm just going to say a tweet that I read today. Oh, yeah? And so it was really nice. It's like a little story. So this bloke, Harry Stebbins, I don't know who he is, he said, Friends started a company four years ago. He could raise no dollars and no one believed in him, except for one who gave him an unlimited desk in his workspace. Company now worth 400 million plus dollars and in latest secondaries gave desk giver his payment for desk, $500,000. People are incredible, believe. Oh, that's really good. That's what I read just today. Next. That's all, we're done. See you next week. So, right, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Next week, we'll tell you all about Primavera Music Festival that we've been to. And then maybe in the same programme or in a separate programme, we'll talk about the rest of Barcelona because we're floating around Barcelona right now enjoying ourselves. Okie dokie. Take care. We're on Instagram at UK. We're on Facebook, ReFigurePod. Facebook.com, ReFigurePod. And we're on Twitter at ReFigurePod as well. So um, visit us, follow us, say hi. Come and chat about how much crap you think we've talked or whatever. 
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Don't fly.